Hey guys, what's up? Uh, Matt and Pat here. And today we have another beautiful, glorious episode of Coffee is for Closers. For those of you who have not seen this before, this is for entrepreneurs, salespeople, people who want to better themselves in any way, shape, or form. We're going, we're going wide with this one. Right? <laughs> <laughs> uh, if you're a human being, this is for you. This is for you. Today what we're going to be talking about is Facebook groups, the utilization of that from both a sales, marketing, and business standpoint. Uh, so if you uh, want to make more money, put your hands up if you don't. All right, cool. Then make sure you stay all the way through to the end. If you're watching this on video, make sure you like and subscribe to the notification bell, all that kind of good stuff. If not, then make sure you are subscribed on the audio and we'll see you after the intro. If you listen to this podcast, you will make your first million within three years. I'm going to repeat that. You will make a million dollars within three years of the first episode you listen to. We don't want pikers. We're not here to save the manatees. We're here to make podcasts. You really want this. You listen and review. Put that coffee down. <laughs> All right, so Facebook groups. Yes. All right, so we're going to talk about uh, Facebook group farming has, has become, like I think there was a time there where it was like a sort of a little known thing, and now it's become basically a staple of most businesses that sell a service it's really the only thing that works on facebook currently right like my personal facebook i have set to groups because Ooh. like when i open it it just shows me the activity within the groups that i'm interested in rather than my news feed because uh, like i don't care what people are doing yeah. <laughs> you know what I, mean? you know, I think it's really interesting because everyone's facebook experience is so different yeah i was talking to my wife the other day and i was like man facebook is just nothing but like people trying to pitch me stuff and she's like I don't like that. Yeah. Or is it just baby photos? Yeah. And I was like, that's super interesting. Like that's mm -hmm. right. But like, I think groups allows us a way to create a container mm -hmm. where you can use Facebook for business purposes mm -hmm. and also for learning purposes. Yeah. Um, without kind of uh, inundating everybody with the MLM buy my shit mentality where you learn about new essential oils and stuff yeah. like that. Yeah, for sure. And I think that's one of the issues that I think Facebook's interesting as a, as a platform in that, People don't like it's a mutual follow, you know. So, like on on Instagram, TikTok, you know, pretty much everything else, you can see something and decide like, okay, that's for me. That person's content, if they're a creator or whatever, uh, or a friend of yours, I want to see that. And then it's up to them whether they follow you back. But on Facebook, it's like no, it's a two way street. As soon as you're friends with someone on Facebook you have to actively choose not to follow what they do rather yeah. like so that the, the immediate setup is like, I'm going to see what you do. And for a person who, you know, is trying to use their personal Facebook to do business type stuff. And if you're networking within your industry and stuff like that, then you end up friends with all these people that like, I, not to be rude, but like, I just don't care about your personal life. Like I don't want to see that, that, so, you know, most people like you and I would hit the sort of 4,000 followers on Facebook or five the 5,000 friend limit yeah. or whatever it is. And then it's like 5,000 people. I don't want to track that what's <laughs> going on in the life of 5,000 people. I yeah. just can't stay up to date on that. Like Sharon got married the other day. I'm like, I don't know who you are. Yeah. It's a, it's a, and that's why I, I really like the group model because you've got a chance to add value without being weird. Yes. Like that. And I think a lot of people run the risk like – um, there's a couple of different types of like posts that you'll see in, especially in the coaching and consulting industry. Like I'm on a mission too. I don't know if you've ever seen that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's like, well, yeah. are you, are you now? Right. I, I've said it and I'll say it publicly again. I will never do a mission post. Okay. Like, <laughs> like it's, I think it's, it's super cheesy. Um, 
and I think that there are ratios and I think using your personal, I remember, remember like, I think it was like two years ago, mm-hmm. I put it in our group chat and I was like, Hey guys, feel free to unfollow me. Facebook's this is what's going, happening. Facebook's going full business yeah. like that. And it was like, sweet. And, but I made a really conscious effort to like, let people know that were like actual good friends of mine. Like, mm-hmm. Hey, just so you know, this is what's happening. Feel free to unfriend me on whatever you want to do. I don't care. Like it's not insulting to me in any way. Mm-hmm. But if you want to chat with me, like you can still use Messenger or whatever. Yeah. But here's my number. Like so, just hit me up there. It's probably easier. Um, but I also was really, really concerned with not just asking people to buy shit. And I actually, I I spent uh, nearly two years delivering value to people yeah. before I ever decided to cash in that equity. And I think that was an important step. And I think you did very, very similar. Yeah, and not on purpose either. That's just kind of how it went. And I think that's one of the things I think in Facebook groups is that ability to have an audience bigger than you would on your personal page because you have that 5,000 limit and you can, build a, you can build a group to be more than that. You can reduce the people who aren't interested in your day-to-day and, and, and you can bring in people that you're not interested in the day-to-day of. Yeah. And you can start speaking on a niche within that group and it not be weird right like because you know i think most people are you're a multifaceted being you have hobbies and interests beyond sales and marketing (laughs) right and and you have friends and family who want to see what's going on with your life and be a part of it and that sort of stuff and i think most people feel that way about their facebook is it's kind of a connection thing that they use with people for sure and then it's like if you start, you know, if, if on my personal Facebook I start carrying on and only speak about work and people are like, that's, is that all you are? Is that, you know, is that it? Yeah. And there's a limit to how many people can see that and then you, you lose people who are not interested in that and, and that might have impacts on your personal life as well as aspects of your work life. So that's why I think groups are so powerful because it's like, okay, I'm collected these people, I'm putting them together and they are people that are interested in this specific topic as named by the group and away we go. Yeah. I think there's some key, like I think when first book group farming, as you might call it, first came out, I think like like any new marketing medium, people are swept up in it very easily. Mm. Like I'm sure, like I remember when Facebook advertising first came out, it was so easy yeah. to get clients. Like that, because people were not used to the advertising medium, so they hadn't built up a resistance to it yet. And so, like, I used to put up a picture of a chick doing a plank and say, hey, come and join our 28-day challenge and have a lot of fun, maybe lose some weight. And I would get 4,000 people yeah, yeah. like that. And it was like, now, like, bro, you've got to have seven different degrees to get a phone yeah. number on Facebook. Yeah. Um, and so groups were really easy, and so a lot of people developed strategies that reflected the ease at which it was. And like, I've seen a lot of groups just die out because they don't treat them in the correct manner. Like, so I was really, really very, very specific when we set up the groups that we have for seventh level, which is the sales revolution group. Go to salesrevolution.pro. Do right? it. Definitely go there. Dot pro. Yeah, we have different uh, endings for different, uh, so the podcast, anything that comes from a podcast is salesrevolution.pro. Amazing. Uh, salesrevolution.group is if anything comes from an ad. Mm-hmm. And then we have another one as well, which is like a website. And so it like, goes to the same place. You're just then able to track where the traffic came from. Yeah, well, because like if we get 10,000 new members and I'm spending X amount on ads, then they go, oh, look. we." But it's like, well, if half of them came from the podcast, I'm not going to attribute that to the, yeah. the, the return of ad spend. Would be different. Yeah. I know, right? <laughs> Tracking. <laughs> I think I'm the first person to do it. Ever. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. It's an exclusive. Yeah, exactly. Um, so we were really conscious. Um, and when we set up the groups, especially for that one and the, for, the, for the closing code one, which is sales snipers kind of one, 
is like people, it has to be a value first system. Mm -hmm. So like it has to be a container that we can put people into where even if they have no intention of ever buying, they still get tremendous value and they tell their friends about the group. Yep. That's got to be number one. And if that's not your number one goal of the group and your goal is just to sell shit, it is so obvious. Mm -hmm. Your group is garbage. Your engagement's crap. And you might get some sales out of it, but it's like even a blind squirrel finds an acorn every now and then. Yeah, that's a good saying. Yeah, it is. You know? <laughs> <So>. <laughs> like that. Um, you know, I, I tell you what's interesting about Facebook groups. Uh, when I first got into cameras and photography and doing that kind of stuff, the first camera I got was an R5, Canon R5. And uh, yeah, I know, right? <laughs> I immediately start you know, YouTubing setup. Before I've even got the camera, I want to know how to set it up. Yeah, right? yeah. And so I found this video three hours long of this guy going through the entire menu system. And even at the start of his video, he says, I know I'm going to get hate for this because this is an advanced camera. Like this is a professional level camera why does anybody need a, a tutorial that is as in-depth as this for a professional level camera? Because this is the kind of camera that people build up to getting and don't just start with. Some of us have money. Well, this is what he said. <laughs> right? So this is what he said. He says, that's not the truth, right? He says, most of you people in this industry think that, but people buy the camera that they can afford. And some people start with this camera. So I was like, I am, I am already enamored to this dude, yeah. right? I'm like, I like him. Throughout the three-hour video on setup, just a couple of times, he mentions that he has a Facebook group on that camera and another one that's very similar. So I go and I find the group. And continues to provide amazing value, but he doesn't actually do that much. Other people are now having this conversation around it, but every now and again, he has a photography course that just gets mentioned just a little bit every now and again in the course. And guess what? I bought that course and I never even logged into it. <laughs> <laughs> but I was grateful. Like I was like, man, yeah. this guy has provided me so much value. He put together a community of people who can all talk about the same kind of thing. And that group has a community in it and people are much nicer to each other for starters and they uh, answer questions in a more relatable way. They answer and ask questions in a more relatable way. Yeah. And what I've found is that a lot of the other groups within the camera space are created by the manufacturer of the camera. And more than anything, it's to uh, limit their customer service. Like, so they don't have to answer <laughs> stupid questions, right? But those groups are full of trolls, right? Full and, of them, yeah. and full of people pitching bullshit and full of people being not even trolls, but just actually like quite mean people being mean to each other, right? And so I think that's really the big difference that I notice with the Facebook groups is they certainly, it, no matter the space that you're in, it's that curation and the, the provision of value, like pr actually trying to help people, actually trying to provide good content to them rather than just going like, here's a bunch of people in one space. Because when you do that, it just goes to shit. Yeah, there was a there's another sales trainer, I won't say, like super nice guy, but basically like, uh, had a lot of reach, built up this group, built it up to about three or 4,000 people within probably, man, it was quick, like a few weeks of launching it, right? Because of the reach he had. And then did this like sales blitz yeah. in the group. Probably made 250, 300 grand cash collected in the case of like two or three days. That group was crickets from there on in. Yeah. Right? Like the way that Facebook groups need to work is that it's the exact same methodology as a fish farm. Mm -hmm. So you've got your core group of fish, the only way you get more fish is for them to mate and make baby fish. Mm -hmm. So you have to like, but you've got to feed them and then you can only pull out the mature fish. Mm -hmm. If you just pull everybody out or you indiscriminately pull people out, right? And and you don't have a you don't have a ratio of new fish to, to fish coming out, you can't do it. And so like because we've like taken on clients with really big names and 
you know what I mean? And there are Facebook groups who've gone in there and done an audit and go, dude, this thing is dead. Mm. It's like, what are you talking about? I go to this. It's like, dude, these are the same people engaging in every single post. Like, so it's like, you've got a problem where you're not having new people come in. Right. And you need to have advertising for that. You can grow organically, but if you want to use it for revenue, you have to have like people going into it. And then, so you've got to have a reason for them to go. Mm. So you've got to have a purpose of the group. The purpose of the sales revolution Facebook group is to make people better at sales. It's very clear. And we provide four live trainings a week, right? We post all of our testimonials. We post like we do free masterclasses. We provide a shitload of value. Right. And then we have CTAs, which is like call to actions, but we maybe do one every 10 days. Mm. Right. And then so we, and we barely ever do a really direct, very clear hey, if you're a sales rep that's looking to do this, this, and this, then, you know, comment 10K a month. Right. I don't think we've done that in a year. Mm. Right. Because those methodologies are just outplayed and they don't work. And to be honest, they're very lazy. Yeah. Whereas like what we'll do is we'll put together in depth trainings. We'll then say who wants the training. People reach out, ask for the training, we give it to them, and then we ask for feedback on the training. What did you get out of it? What did you hope to get out of it? And then we can take the people through a sales process. But they might, they might, some people, they just get one training, love it. They book a sales call, they sell. Some people get 15 trainings. Mm -hmm. Then they go, yeah, you know what? I could actually use some more help with this. Then they reach out. And so it's like, that's a process that you can't rush, and everyone's going to go through it at different paces. But like, you can only outreach like a proportionate number of the people who are in who are coming yeah. in. So we try and get between 30 and 50 a day. Okay. That's our KPI at Sales Revolution. And that that group probably produces I would say consistently from the group half a million a month revenue. Wow. Right? In sort of front-end cash. That's front-end, right? That's US, right? So Aussie would be like so 650 something like that. Um like and that's just from the Facebook group, they have Instagram and all the other things that we do. Right, but that's very, very consistent, and we have an we have an activity KPI, but the activity KPI is based on the new people that are joining. So if something happens to our Facebook group ads and they slow down, or the creative is getting slow, then we'll tell the setter team to reduce their activity accordingly. Mm. Otherwise, we just overfish the group, and it's just it's lazy business owning. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like oh, let's just fucking flog the guts out of it and like hope for the best. It's like, no, this is a long-term strategy. And I think that's one of the things that's really missing from a lot of the Facebook groups that I'm in where people are trying to sell. Like it's just a lazy same strategy over and over again. And they're just putting out the same lead magnets, you know what I mean, over and over again. And like they're not refreshing it based on the appetite of the group because yeah. they're not really interested in what the appetite of the group is because they're not really that engaged. Just a bunch of VAs posting shit. Yeah. I think about it sometimes in terms of hunting versus farming. And I think yeah. it, it could also be, you know, you could think about it in terms of having patience and not. Like you, you, the guy you talk about, build a, a group of a few thousand people and then just blitz it and then let it die. That's that's hunting, right? Like hunters get to gorge, but farmers eat every day. Yeah, yeah. Right? And yeah. I think that's the difference. When you can cultivate it a little bit and go like, oh, this one is ripe. I can pick this particular fruit and we yeah. can eat that today. Whereas a hunter kills a buffalo and he's left where by himself and he gets to gorge for a day or two and then it's over and you got to look for another one. And that's a big, that's a very hard thing to get. But also sometimes it's, it's maybe people don't understand the difference hunting versus farming, but I think it's just straight impatience, right? It's 100%. like, like I've got these people, I want them all now today rather than some of them today and some of them tomorrow and some of them the next day. Yeah. And because like when you farm properly, like 
you can cultivate crops and the crops can get more dense and more dense and more dense and you can add more and more rows. And I think like that's what's really missing from a lot of businesses is like, especially in the coaching consulting, coaching and consulting industry is an industry of extraordinarily impatient and immature and young professionals making a lot of money. Yeah, right. Right? <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> and so now. like, I'm probably one of the older guys in the entire industry. No shit. Yeah. The 38, like dude, most of my competitors are in their mid twenties. Yeah, right. And I can see them run a business like they're in their mid twenties. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, you're running like there's no, f- like, like the finish line is close. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you yeah. know? And it's like, and they're experienced business people, but they're young. And what? it's super patronizing to say it that way, but I was talking to like my personal trainer this morning and he's 23 and I was saying, I have a lot of really young people that work for me. He's like, how old? I was like, oh, 21 to 25. He's like, oh, I'm 23. I was like, yeah. I was like, and you can be a really mature 23 year old, but how you deal with situations that you've not encountered before yeah. is very reflective of, of age. Yeah. Because like, there's not enough like circumstances. And so if you start making a lot of money quickly, then you think just more of the same activity will get you more output and it's just not how it works mm. and because i've run a difficult business to run which is brick and mortar brick and mortar gives you an entirely different skill set than what online business does and and sort of vice versa but brick and mortar like your expenses cannot just magically be reduced mm. right whereas in the online world like you can run your business with significant net margins that are borderline outrageous and offensive yeah to be to be honest like if i wanted to run seventh level like a 65 percent net net i probably could Mm -hmm. but it would be a a bones of what it is and the wheels would fall off eventually which is what has happened to a lot of the other large sales training scaled super fast and the fucking wheels fell off because no one knew how to run it at at a decent level right because they're all young and they just haven't had enough experience and that's it's a very difficult position to be in all of a sudden you've got all this staff and all these people and it's like fuck like i didn't plan on this and i found myself in similar situations but having run or been a part of the core leadership team of a hundred person a hundred employee business with 18 brick and mortar sort of locations and having to go all the rigmarole of that taught me an awful lot about like planning for potential worst case scenarios Mm -hmm. and and like we bring that into our marketing Mm -hmm. and so it's like when we come into a business now a lot of our business now is like we do everything for you yeah. It's like I'm sick of marketing companies shitting the bed and just not really being concerned with sales. Like a lot of marketing companies, they come in and they're just concerned with getting leads. But there are sort of five essential stages that a lead needs to go through in order to become someone who is worthwhile selling. Okay. Right? So you've got unaware people. Unaware people, you can't sell. They're unaware of any problem, any solution. Then you've got like awareness. So now they have awareness that there's a problem. Then you've got solution awareness. And then you've got brand awareness. And I think there's, this is a copyrighted term. So there's four or five, I can't remember. But like, so if you try and sell someone who's only just become problem aware and they're not solution or brand aware, you could probably get them to buy something, but they're not going to be a good client and the chances of a refund is pretty high. Okay. Right? So if you try and sell someone who's only just become solution aware, then like there's going to be a lot of trust issues in the sales cycle because they're solution aware, but they're not aware of you. And then so the key is to sell someone who is problem-aware, solution-aware, and brand-aware. That's the real key. Like, that's what marketing should be. Mm -hmm. So really what you do is you split your marketing up into two different levels, which is not something that anyone in the industry does. And it's why they just hire marketing companies and say, just go to sales calls. And they're out there. Like, Sabi Subre, Subre, who ran ran a business called King Kong Marketing, which is the fastest-growing marketing company ever in Australia, he had a great ad that said, businesses are running around Facebook trying to fuck everybody they meet. (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah. Right? And it's like basically like marketers these days are running into a club, taking their dick out and goes, who wants to suck it? Yeah, like, yeah. In a, you know, it's like, well, how about you meet the person, ask them their name, find out a little bit about them, take them out on a date. And then you can do that, right? Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? And some will say yes. If they invite you. If they invite you and some will say no. You know what I mean? So, like, and that's that's a process that needs to be taken through in order yeah. to have the highest hit rate. And so, like, what we've been doing is we've been taking over the conversion process, which is like, okay, we will handle the generation of the leads and then the leads into the sale. So we handle the acquisition and conversion pathway because it's like, if we know who are the people who are sellable and being sold in the ideal client avatar, then we can work our way backwards to create a pathway that makes people aware, problem aware, solution aware, brand aware, and then sell them. So yeah, it might take a little bit longer. You know what I mean? But there are things you can do in the meanwhile to generate yeah. revenue more quickly. But you take them through that process and the same process, whether you're doing Facebook groups or whether you're doing like VSL marketing or whatever, like we have a reach channel, we have a conversion channel and people are just forgetting about this whole reach channel where they provide value to people to let them know, hey, there is a problem that's out there. Oh shit, I have that problem. This is the solution that we can present to you and this is who we are. Mm-hmm. And it's like, it's like people are running their business like, I don't know, like there's no tomorrow. Do you think that's a big part of the issue then in compartmentalizing like sales and marketing or separating those two oh, things? Bro, how angry do you want me to get? Bring it on. Fuck, man. So I had a massive, I can't remember who I yelled at, not yelled at, but had a rant at the other day. And it was like <laughs> the biggest issue that we found at Sales Sniper is unaccountable marketing companies. Yeah. Like we had, uh, we worked with Ryan Serhant. They hired a giant. This guy is a fucking giant in the marketing industry. Holy shit. We did a Loom video for them and presented it to them on the enormous ineptitude of their marketing campaigns. Okay. And it was fucking ruthless. Okay. And they were embarrassed and they like left with their tail between their legs. I was like, this is the most insulting thing I've ever seen. And if I take this to Ryan, he will probably personally fly to you and slap you in the fuck. <laughs> right. Marketed okay. the same thing with another one of our clients. They had a really big marketing agency and we went back and goes, guys, like this is, this is not only irresponsible and lazy, but it's actually insulting to our sales team that is trying to sell these fucking people. Mm-hmm. Like this is really like, pe- these are people's lives. Like, I know you think it's all games because you get paid $25,000 a month for generating these fucking shitty leads with these terrible campaigns that are set up by four-year-olds and written with crayon, right? But it's like there are people at the end of this who make their living by commission only trying to sell these people. Mm. This is not appropriate, right? So it gets me really angry. And it's because there's been a, there's been a cottaging of industry, right, which has led to a distinct and I, almost like irreversible lack of accountability okay because you've because and and some of it is a a function of the complexity of the environment that we're in being like no one can just figure out facebook ads Mm -hmm. it is so complex these days because of the everything is the button clicking is i walk in the back and i go oh fuck's going on Mm -hmm. right so it's like then you've so you got media buying as a like a so it used to be you'd hire a marketer they would do your sales copy write your funnels place your ads problem solve it, make sure you're getting leads that were appropriate, and then you have a salesperson sell it. Now you have to hire a strategist, right? And that strategist comes up with your your marketing strategy. Then from there, they might have Facebook, they might have uh, LinkedIn, they might have, uh, you know, anything Google related, right? And those individuals will have media buyers that are specific. Now, a media buyer will not write the ad or the funnel 
or the creative and they will barely even check it. Okay. <laughs> right? All they will do is go, you give me the stuff I uploaded into Facebook and I put it in front of the correct audience. Okay. Oh, seems super difficult. Right? <laughs> doing it well is hard. Yeah, yeah. Right? Doing it, doing it is very easy. Then from there, you've got sales copywriters. Now, sales copywriters have sort of divided themselves into like organic and paid. And the paid has been broken up into like funnel building, like funnel sales copy and sort of like ad creative sales copy because the funnel builders won't write the fucking copy on the funnel. I just build it. Okay. And then it's got the Laura Simpra Siempre yeah, yeah. fucking shit on it. Did you like, see Channel 7 had a billboard made the other day with that on it? Yeah, oh, so they, it actually got put on the street. That's incredible. Yeah, with see? the placeholder text. And you know what? The fucking printing guy goes, that's what you sent me. Yeah, yeah, totally. Same you proofed point. it. Someone, Well, someone signed it. You know what I mean? Like someone yeah. someone approved that. That that doesn't get printed without somebody from Channel 7 or whoever agency saying, yeah, it's Agency. Done. Yeah, agency. Yeah, <laughs> I guarantee it. Yeah. So, right, so like what happens? So then, so then you got to hire those people, yeah. right? And so, and then- And they're all probably different firms, different agencies. So not only are they individual people, they're probably a different place, like a Most people will refuse to do all of it so they don't have to be held accountable. Yeah. I had a guy, okay. remember that guy- where I was on the phone and he wanted to do a VSL and I, yeah. I muted it. I said, watch this, he's going to try and charge me 50 grand. Yeah. And I was, he was like, it's 50 grand. And then like there, but there was zero accountability measures that they would be held accountable to. And yeah. I was like, well, if we're not going to hold you, he's like, yeah, but what if, what if the media buying's wrong? Yeah. I was like, if it's a good VSL, shouldn't that matter? He's like, yeah, but what if the funnel doesn't perform? I was like, okay. So you're not going to back yourself anyway. Right. And then from there, so you've got sales copywriters, you've got media buyers, you've got funnel builders and you've got strategists and the strategists will, will blame the media buyer. The media buyer will blame the funnel builder. The funnel builder will blame the sales copywriter. And the sales copywriter will say, like, my sales copy was is the shit. It's just that the media buying was crap. Yeah. Right? So you're, you're left in a position where it's impossible to hold someone accountable. But sales is like, oh, we got you leads. You didn't sell them. So it's like there's this huge level of accountability over in the sales department, mm -hmm. but nothing in the marketing department. And so, like, I, I've, had a, I've had some very tough conversations with marketing people when I was, like, when I was managing accounts, uh, they would go, yeah, we have new book of call funnels that'll be live, and we should have, uh, they should be good to go in two weeks, right? And I would go, all right, man, so how many calls will we have? And they would go, it should be like eight to ten. I go, so in 14 days, you'll have ten calls a day? And they would go, well, you know, there's a bit of a ramp up period. I go, okay, so what is... What is the date of which you will have 10 calls a day? Mm -hmm. They go, well, it's really hard to know this. And I go, okay, well, what is the date that you will have the, the funnels up running, generating leads? Like, oh, about two to three weeks. Okay, so two weeks or three weeks? They'd say three weeks. And I go, okay, and, and when will they start producing four calls a day? Because I have to infrastructure appropriately and I have to have the sales team available and I can't have too many or not enough. So what is the exact date that you will have four calls a day in my calendars? And then two weeks would turn into three months real fucking <laughs> Yeah. Right? And they would just like have yeah. to, because like I'm going to, and then I would say, okay, guys, uh, and I would have whoever's there for admin. I would go, on this date, we'll have this many people. So two weeks prior to that, we'll massively infrastructure up. We'll put other people on because this guy has promised me. <laughs> right? And dude, they did not like it, you know? And so yeah. like, that's why like we just decided to, like long story short, I was like, fuck man, hold me accountable. And we mm -hmm. went to a bunch of our clients and I was like, hey, listen, We'll just do the whole thing. Okay. Like we'll do your ads and we'll do your marketing and we'll control the entire cycle. Right. And, and the clients that we're doing that for are outperforming the other ones, probably 10 to one. Yeah. 
And it's because like we are accountable for not only generating the leads, but making the sales, making the revenue, collecting the cash. And so that means we're ultimately accountable to everything for the front end. Mm. And so because I have that level of responsibility, I am super demanding of the clients that they get us everything that we require. Mm -hmm. Like Ruthless, like you need to get me this on this day. And we just hammer them. And it's like, hey, if you're not going to do it, it's not going to work. If you're not going to do it. Because yeah. like, we'll, we'll rotate like creative every six days. So we have new ads every six days. Bang, bang. Cardone right? Because we spoke to the CMO of Cardone, they rotate hours, they rotate the ads every six hours. Wow. And they have like, I think like 10 funnel builders on staff and 10 copywriters. And if you don't hit your KPI, you're fired immediately. <laughs> oh my God. Dude, it's ruthless. Yeah. But you know what? It fucking works. Yeah, he's a billionaire. Yeah. Not maybe. Maybe. <laughs> he's <laughs> also, mean, he's got $1.98 like billion dollars in debt. Yeah. Well, he seems like a billionaire. Yeah. He lives, um, he lives like one. That's so, so the effectiveness by which you guys are doing that, is that because of the accountability alone or is it the interconnected nature of the people like all being under one banner that are yeah. doing it? Yeah, and I don't think there's not many companies that will take responsibility over the entire conversion cycle Okay, because it's a lot of responsibility. And uh, for a long time there, I'm pretty sure I said unequivocally, we will never do the sales and the marketing. Okay. Right? But like now it's like after going through so many of like the biggest... And listen, I'll never judge a company based on like, oh, I've shit the bed on accounts. Everyone's done that, right? Yeah. Like it's just the way it works in life. But like we've worked with so many high-level marketing companies and very few of them have, I think, like put the effort in. Mm -hmm. And that's really what I judge them on is like, you're not trying. It yeah. doesn't take two weeks to get a lead magnet out. It takes two hours. Here's that, bing, bang, bong, <laughs> done, phone numbers. You know what I mean? And it's like, let's just get that going and let's start it. So I think it's like, because we're also responsible for the salespeople, like my ultimate responsibility is to the salespeople and giving them the opportunity. Yeah. And so like our willingness to go above and beyond in marketing is, is, is because I need to feed my guys. How much backflow do you do? So like obviously the process is sort of, you know, from like flash to bang where it's, we, we're putting out the ad to sales. The information comes from marketing through to salespeople. How much backflow is then involved from bang to flash where the, the salespeople can then, you know, because it's the same company and they're the same. It's way know, more ruthless. Yeah. Well, so they can say, hey, these are not the correct leads. This is this. And, and, and I suppose there's not, a, you know, a worry over a blame game at that point. Rather, this conversation, while difficult for us to have, is in the interest of efficiency to both of us because we're on the same team rather than anyone looking to blame anyone else. Yeah. And then if the guys go to us and go, and the good thing is because we have transparency, is they'll go, hey, guys, the ad account is not in a good position. We're going to have to get you shitty leads for like two months. Okay. And we go, oh, okay, well, if we're going to get shitty leads, we need a fuckload of them. Okay. And they go, yeah, I can do that. Yeah. So, like, we, we took on an account recently, and, the like, we won't take on an account unless we audit the actual ads account. Okay. Because, like, I didn't realize this because I'm, like, not the, the back-end guy, but Marco was like, oh, you can ruin an ad account real quick. Really? Yeah, you can just ruin it. And there's, like, they like have... a couple of bad ads or... Well, like, just with <laughs> spamming and doing all kinds of stuff. Like, there's... Uh, one guy wanted us, to t wanted, wanted us to take him on, and we went through it, and they go, oh, no matter what we do, it will never work. And they're like, why? It's like, well, basically, his name has been banned. Any credit card linked to him will automatically be downregulated. Any photo with him in it... Wow. ...will be downregulated because they have image recognition software... So, like, you can't just change names, change credit cards. If your face is in it 
and you have a bad record of like shit loads of complaints and all mm. kinds of shitty stuff, really high bounce rates because they track the bounce rate. So like that's one of the things as well that will really shit me. Like we'll do funnel audits all the time and this, the load time is shitty on click funnels. You can fix that, right? But it's, it's an actual work to fix it. But if you have like a four second load time, Mm-hmm. that's really slow. Yeah, People just bounce off it. So then if Facebook sees that they're bouncing off all the time, they go, that's a scam. Right. Downregulate. So now, like, that, that's lazy marketing, mm-hmm. right? And so, like, then there's there's years of patterns of these shitty things happening because you've got lazy marketers. It's really easy to find. Most of them are. In the same way that most salespeople are lazy, right? Yeah, yeah sure. Like, you know, 90% of people are shit at their job, you know? <laughs> like, <laughs> it's... So, yeah, like, they've got years of this, and they go, mate, like, it would take us a year to resurrect this. Wow. And we're like... I didn't realize don't... that could happen. Yeah. I thought they, like, they take your money, they're happy. Nope. Yeah, right. They got enough money coming in. Yeah, yeah, there's enough you know? people. And so we're like, we have to do it. So everyone that we do an audit, we give, like, a no bullshit, hey, it's, realistically, it's three months of, like, rebuilding the trust, you know, or it's six weeks, and then we can go, listen, but we can do lead magnet ads, we'll be able to get lead forms, Facebook likes that, so we can kind of get away with this, this, and this, but it's going to be shitty quality, so we're going to have to, like, there's one account that we triple book all the sales calls. Okay, because it's that unlikely people will turn up. Yeah. Low trust in the marketplace, an ad account that isn't really, hasn't been great, really well managed, and, like, so, for example, like, if you have a lazy marketer, um, Facebook automatically sort of prioritizes, like, the conversion metric that you're looking for, but you can't really geo-target anymore. Okay. Right? So, like, if you have, if you're not on top of things and all of a sudden you start getting a bunch of leads from a third world country or a second world country, whereas really you want to sell Americans, but they're reacting to it, right, because they're just easier to pick up, mm-hmm. right? Then all of a sudden all your ads get prioritized to there. Yeah, right. And they're just going out into the ether for nothing. Yeah. And so you get all these leads, you know, that are in, like, like impoverished African countries. Yep. And you're like, Selling shit. a $30,000 product. Yeah, you're like, <laughs> shit, guys. Yeah. So then all of a sudden, now you've got to start doing this other stuff after the fact to sort of fix that, you know, which again, just exacerbates lead costs, right? And it's like, that can happen really easily if someone's not on the ball, mm-hmm. you know? And by taking over the whole process, we got a bit away from Facebook, but Facebook is one of the lead generation strategies that we use because like, it's super easy to send people there. And then you have a quite complex and, you know, strategy to be able to get people out of there. Yeah. Um, but then you've got this whole other side as well. And it's like, you need multiple marketing streams in case one of them inevitably goes down. Bring us back to the groups then, the Facebook groups. You, you mentioned there was a ratio of, you know, like people in versus sales out. How, like, how solid is that? Like who tracks that? We, uh, we, yeah, we track it. So we actually track every piece of content. Um, and then the reactions of the content. So we can start to, at the end of each week, have a look at what subject matter is being really successful. Mm-hmm. Then from there, we craft a new content calendar for the next month based on what what the previous month. So like if we talk about objections in one of our, and we'll have like sort of four or five different subjects, the ones that get the most amount of engagement, that will then subsequently be the focus for the next month. Mm-hmm. And that's an ever kind of organic and changing thing, whether it's sales process or objection handling or fucking how to be a top 1% sales rep or whatever, right? And if we have like an event coming up, then we can gear everything towards the event six to eight weeks out quite subtly yep. and then go, hey, by popular demand, which we've sort of made, right? Mm-hmm. We're going to release this and then it kind of hypes it up. And so we had like 5,000 registrations for our last challenge at 7th Level. 
And we only spent, you know, 70000 on marketing, which sounds like a lot of money. But we, on the day, we collected half a million. Yeah, yeah. You know, so it's like <laughs> it's, it's a pretty, pretty good ROAS. Yeah. How do you sort of manage the engagement with the people in the group and, and having them post? In any of these groups, do you have like uh, post approvals turned on to stop people spamming within the group? Um, we do, but we have someone full time approving them. Okay. Like that. And so, and then like anything that's sort of not appropriate. Like, so there's someone like literally like there's people monitoring it 24 hours a day mm-hmm. at that. And then it's like, they approve stuff. 90% of the stuff they approve, but the, like comments and stuff, we don't have to approve, but just the post. Cause a lot of the time it's just other people trying to pitch something, stupid. just trying to pitch stuff. Right. Just whatever. Yeah. It's probably not even them. Um, and, <laughs> and how much uh, monitoring does it take in regards to keeping civil conversation like you monitoring comments and all that kind of stuff facebook does a pretty good job of just doing that by itself to be honest Mm -hmm. but we because it's a real value-based group we don't have the problem okay you know like we just it's just not an issue yeah there's the occasional fuckbag that says something but as i'm sure you've seen in your group yeah people just go after them yeah yeah they do it just the only issue is i find with that is that it, it tends to silence people and i guess it depends on the uh, you know, the point of the group, but from a sales and marketing standpoint is you kind of don't want anyone in the group um, afraid to bring their head above the parapet, right? Like to, yeah. to comment on something or to, to attempt to add value somewhere if when they do and do so poorly, they get cut to smithereens. And one of the things we sort of, you know, super encourage everyone in our group. So, you know, it's a, it's a dog training group, but within that group, there's people who have their first pet that has turned out to be a reactive dog and they're looking for advice through to the very best dog trainers to have ever walked the planet, right? Yeah. And so th- it's difficult to serve all those people, but also like we try and encourage everybody like, hey, those very best people were also asking those same questions. Only That's really was, important. Only it was 40 years ago and there was no forum in which to ask it and they were asking it face-to-face so there's no record of it, right? Yeah. Like I think that's one of the tricky things is, is keeping everybody in a group connected when there's such a spectrum of people within the group yeah we haven't had too much trouble with that like if someone's rude or nasty for no reason they get cut down pretty hard yeah but if people ask questions people are very forthcoming with information the hard part is actually well that that's one way of doing it yeah when it's not the right yeah but but this might be more optimal for your situation right so it's sort of like monitoring that stuff but we also post so much and we post so much value that people are sort of head above water just trying to consume the content that we put in there okay so like because we're live every day right so we're live every day and then we're giving away at least sort of one thing every day mm-hmm. you know in terms of like just straight up free training we're doing master classes so like there's a lot of activity and we track the growth of the group and we track the engagement of the group the facebook backend metrics on groups are fantastic mm. so yeah, they yeah. give you a lot of stuff and then from there, like, you know, the rest of it sort of deals with itself, to be honest. It's a pretty, like, there's 20,000 people in that group now. Mm-hmm. You know? So so you got 20,000 people in that group. You go live every day. Not you personally, but... It's Jeremy. Jeremy's live every day. Yeah. There's a piece of content that gets put into there. And I, I imagine anyone listening, because I'm thinking the same shit. I'm like, fuck, that's a ton of work, right? Like, that's a oh, lot yeah, of, it's a that's a, of work. That's a lot of work. Tell me again, what were the numbers that come out? Like, like 500 grand a month okay. just from the group. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, you know, people go, oh, we do a million a month from the group. It's like, well, that's fantastic. First of all, is it accruals or cash? I would ask the question. But second of all, how much? You, how, what's your price point? Our average price point is five. So there's a lot of conversions coming out there's of it. a that. lot of sales, bro. Yeah. At one point, we had converted 38% of the group. Wow. And then we were like, shit, we'd turn the ad spend up. Yeah. It's too many people. Yeah. 
right? So we turned it, we cranked it up to like 50 grand a month. Yeah. Uh, from like the 30 that we were spending. And then we kind of like let it cool. We let it cool down for a bit and we just stopped, like kind of slowed the farming down to mm -hmm. let it kind of, and then kind of build up the speed again. So, so why does that work? Let me see if I understand the mechanism would be that you've, you've sold 38% of the group, right? Into the product. All of the, the information that you're putting into there is entry level compared to the product or is within the product. So by the time they've bought the product, they've consumed that, that information at the paid version, behind the paywall version, so that the stuff that you're putting in there is nice revision for them and they probably enjoy to see it, but they're not going to be consuming it very much, which dials down the engagement, which then Facebook then says, well, 38% of people are less interested in this suddenly, not knowing that they've already paid it and that they're zealots for it and that they love it, yeah, yeah. but they're just not engaging with it as heavily as they used to. The content can't be as good as it was. We stop showing it to the remaining 40% of people who are, yeah. who are left in. Because they can downregulate who sees the group stuff. Right. So, know, so. so that's how important it is that you're constantly bringing in new people so that the percentage engagement of people who are watching it remains high and they continue to show it to people. Yeah. And that you don't just have pitch fest 2022 because then that immediately because facebook also tracks how engaged are the newest members okay right so you have to immediately engage and indoctrinate with new members wow. so that they go back through they look at a shitload of posts they comment on things you know what i mean so i think that they're looking for the groups that are just shitty pitch fests mm -hmm. so they can destroy them yeah right and so they're like they look at a group like ours, it's like, oh, okay, well, we're spending money on Facebook to send people to it, and they're highly engaged. Mm -hmm. So it's like, clearly, we must be doing something right. And so it allows us to show everybody everything, and so we get tremendous engagement. You know, it's kind of a self-licking ice cream in that way. But it's it all comes down to the fact that we look at it very analytically uh, with the overarching theme behind everything being, regardless of whether they're going to pay for anything, they have to get value from this. Yeah. So what can we do to make this group like almost like a television show where people sit down every night and they go to it to learn. Mm -hmm. And then from there, like once they feel like, oh, I've seen enough to trust these people and we've created problem awareness. So it's like, hey, you're not, you're selling in the wrong way. The solution is this is our proven methodology and we have so many testimonials in that group. We have over 7,000 testimonials for NEPQ and people post every single day how life-changing it is in there. Right. And then from there, and they're brand aware. Yeah. Because it's not the seventh level group, it's the sales revolution group. And the sales revolution group is presented by seventh level, Jeremy Miner and Matt Ryder. Right. And so they, they become aware of us, they become aware of everything. And so it's a way that we can bring people down the pathway. So we're not, as Sabi Subre would say, just trying to fuck a bunch of random strangers. Uh, I reckon the one of the things that you see in Facebook groups, and I know you just sort of alluded to it, but is the testimonials, but the real life impromptu ones. So by keeping people who have, You've converted, they're, it's, they're sold, they've bought the product, they remain in the group. Maybe, yes, they're not engaging with the content as much, like I just said, but when someone says, oh, I'm thinking about this, oh, you now have fans who are, you don't have to do the replying, You they do it on your behalf. And, and people feel that, that it's a real testimonial. Like this is someone who's really bought the product and is now encouraging me to do so. And they're not a part, it's not an ad that, that that's a from the heart Un, unprompted unscripted testimonial and, and and i think testimonial sometimes of course they're great they're worth their weight in gold but when it's you know you can see someone's thought it out and they're writing the thing out like you know is that real i don't know it it seems it but when some john is like yeah man buy it it fucking changed my life yeah dm me and i'll talk to you about it yeah 
you know? Yeah. yeah, which which we get a lot of, you know? And we get a lot of people that go, you know, my wife was pissed at me, but now she's the greatest thing that I've ever done and all this kind of stuff. And we have some really cool testimonials because, like, sales is no such thing as a really good broke salesperson. <laughs> it just doesn't exist. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know? And if you are a broke salesperson, I'm sorry, you're just not good enough. Yeah, yeah. That's the way it is. Yeah, it's you know? impossible. There's no Olympic level runners that aren't running in the Olympics. Yeah, yeah. Like someone's found them. Like, I love the NBA. My wife was like, Do you think any of these guys are good enough to be in the NBA? I was like, Well, they're not. Yeah, yeah. And no, I was like, be. Minimum weight in the NBA is $7 million a year. Yeah. And I, I was looking at a guy, I don't know if you saw John Wick 3, the big giant dude. Yeah. Right, he fights he's, in the library. Yeah, and he he plays for the Dallas Mavericks. Yeah, right. He's on a seven million dollar a year U.S. salary. He played six minutes the wow. entire season. Wow! So he's at over a million dollars a minute. <laughs> That's a great rate. And he played because I don't know if you watch uh, basketball. Not the Mavericks destroyed the Suns yeah. in Game Seven of the uh, Western Conference, not Western, uh, the semifinals. Yeah. Like a 50-point demolishing. Okay. So he got to play. So they gave him a little go. And bro, he, he looked like a lost baby. He's seven foot six or some shit. And he was like, what is what is happening? Like that, he looked like a lost baby. He's so tall, he's in the NBA. Yeah, it's like yeah. you were gifted with gigantism. <laughs> and that 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 is the $7 million. Dollar seven million he's just so tall. He just gets rebounds. Yeah, It's terrible. Truly terrible at basketball. If you shrink him down by a foot, he is broke. Working, <laughs> at, working at fucking McDonald's. But he ain't. <laughs> exactly, but he's yeah. not. Yeah, it sucks to suck. Well, that sounds like the perfect place to wrap it up. It does. Yeah. If you guys like this kind of content uh, and you want us to keep doing it, subscribe. It's going to happen whether you want it or yeah, not. <laughs> exactly. We're putting it out every week. Whether yeah. you want to hear it or not. So you may as well learn to love it. Exactly. That's what I tell my wife. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys, thanks for coming. Make sure you like and subscribe, hit the notification bell. Let us know uh, what kind of content you want to see from us moving forward in the comment section if you're watching this on YouTube or if you're an audio-only listener, old school, one of the OGs. Um, just yell loud at your phone. Maybe Google will pick it up and let us know. Yeah. Yeah, all right, guys, bye. Ciao. Put that coffee down. Coffee's for closers only. <laughs>